Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are dedicated to helping you live your best life. And it's a journey that we call pursuing limitless life in Jesus. And we're doing it all for one reason, so that our lives can impact the world. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. Well, we're going to finish up our series today called Truth or Dare. And how many of y'all remember playing that game as a kid? (laughs) Well, even as adults, we're still faced with this dilemma that you could call truth or dare because we live in a culture that's drifting further and further away from God. And we're like faced with this tension, like, are we going to follow what culture is doing or are we going to follow the word of God? And so (laughs) that's a good choice. I like it. So in the game as a kid, like, you may have noticed there was a negative consequence regardless of if you chose truth or dare. Like, you chose truth, and you had to reveal something that you didn't want people to know. Or you chose dare, and then you had to do something that usually had a negative consequence. But in the context of your spiritual journey, there's an obvious best choice. Like, you follow the truth in God's Word, and you come clean about all your secrets before God, which He knows anyway, right? And you find freedom, you find joy, you find peace. But you dare to live like the world, dare to live like culture, and you're going to find yourself drifting further and further away from God and further and further away from your purpose. And that's no bueno. And this entire series is based on the book of Daniel because Daniel is, uh, the book of Daniel is a story about the nation of Israel, which you may or may not know that's the people known as God's people. Well, God's people were drifting further and further away from God. And because of that, they got captured by Babylon. And so they became servants and slaves, and they, were, they just kept drifting in, into culture further and further away from God. But Daniel, he took a stand in the midst of all the compromise, and even though that all happened like thousands of years ago, how many of you all know that we can, history kind of repeats itself, and we can find ourselves learning from what happened thousands of years ago. And we need to learn how to live like Daniel. And in week one, we talked about how grace and truth go together. Y'all remember that message? Yet we tend to think you have to do one or the other. Like, I either have to choose truth and be passionate about telling people when they're wrong, or I have to choose grace and be hesitant to tell anybody when they're headed in the right or headed in the wrong direction. Or if you, you know, neither of these is right. Actually, we need both of them like working together. We need to be generous with grace while standing firm in the truth in God's word. And then in week two, that was my favorite week of the series. If you missed that one, you can go and listen to it. Um, but I uncovered the devil's biggest secret. That's just my favorite thing to do. Here's how he's lying to you. Here, just, just look at it, right? And every ounce of ungodly behavior is rooted in this one thing. Every one of the devil's lies spawns from this one thing, and that's when he convinces you that you need to elevate yourself instead of elevating God. So the enemy's one and only trick is to get you to elevate self above God. How many of y'all have, like, found yourself, like, noticing things like that? You're like, oh, my gosh, I was elevating myself there ever since you heard that message. I I catch it all the time. I'm like, oh, I'm elevating myself. I need to turn this around. You see, he did it to Adam and Eve. Like, this is his trick from the beginning. Adam and Eve said, hey, y'all, eat this fruit, and you're going to be smart like God. Elevating self, right? And then he gets us to believe the same thing by getting us to think that our way is better than God's way. I'm going to live like culture because it feels better. Surely it's better than following God's way. But it's not. We're just elevating ourselves. So now you know what the devil's biggest secret is. Like, you can recognize it and turn and go the other direction. And here's what you do instead. Just like we did this morning in worship. Elevate God. Proclaim that everything God says, everything God does is right. Stand on the word of God as the ultimate truth and never try to argue that your way is better than what you find in the word of God. You're like, Kate, I'd never do that. Uh, I bet you have, because I have too. Because here's the deal. When you elevate God, he elevates you. Like you've probably wasted a lot of energy trying to elevate yourself with your coworkers, trying to earn honor, respect. 
But the, the answer to that is you elevate God, and then all that just kind of happens naturally. It's a really cool thing. And then last week, we talked about living a stand-up life in a bow-down world. We went over that story that, of the fiery furnace that a lot of us are familiar with. And you've probably experienced culture demanding you to follow their ways. And what's interesting is culture never asks you not to follow God. They just get you to elevate self, and in the process, you fall away from God. So it can be a struggle to stand for the Word of God because culture, like, really gets hateful. Whenever you do that, they get loud. They don't like it. But it turns out they have no power over you. The devil has no power over you. He's just like this yapping little chihuahua off in the corner that thinks he's a big dog. All you got to do is kick that sucker across the room. He ain't got no power over you. So you can walk around with confidence as you stand for God and his word because when you stand, you're actually going to inspire other people to stand with you. And the coolest thing about last week's message is that we saw that when you stand, Jesus stands with you. He's up there seated on the throne, but when you take a stand, he stands up with you. Ugh, so awesome. But today we're going to wrap up this series and talk about how to hold on to love while you're standing for the truth. Because how many of you have noticed that love tends to go out the window when you get passionate about the truth? Or is that just me? You too? <laughs> and then, and then we, we like overcorrect, like whenever we find ourselves over that. We overcorrect over here and we pull back so we can love people. And we fudge a little on the truth because we don't want to hurt people's feelings, because if we hurt their feelings, we're not loving well. But to be effective for Jesus, we need both love and truth working together. And here's a good verse to start out today, Galatians 5, 6. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So before the book of Galatians is a whole lot of Bible. Like Galatians is towards the end of the Bible. There's going to be like this, this many pages before Galatians. And it's interesting because then we see the statements like, I know I've said a lot throughout the Bible, but... The only thing that matters is faith expressing itself through love. How many of you all would think that's probably an important thing to grab a hold of? So he's saying, have faith in God, have faith in the truth that we find in God's word, and then let that faith express itself in love. Not hate, but love. And the thing is, the church isn't known for doing this well. Like we tend to take this stance like, I got to defend God. Anybody feel that way whenever culture is kind of going against the word of God? Like, I got to stand up and I got to defend God. So even though, like, we're sharing our faith, we're ugly about it because we don't really care about the other person. We just want to defend God. And a lot of people are out there right now mad at the church because they've encountered those kind of Christians. I mean, how many of you guys have heard somebody say, I'm never going back to the church because they were mean to me or whatever? We've all heard it, but here's, here's the truth right here. We think we're defending God, but the truth is we're repelling people away from God. Like, you think that, like, God needs defense, like, you're doing something for God when you defend it in that way, but God's heart is for people, everybody, to come to him. Like, he wants to draw everybody into him, and we're repelling people away from them by taking this stance of defending God. So, I've been this Christian, like, so passionate about sharing the truth that I was ugly about it, and I ran a lot of people off in the process, and Jesus knew that we'd have a hard time with this. And that's why he gave us this scripture, this Jesus talking here in John 13, 34. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. He's like, in case you didn't get it the first time, I'm going to say it three times. Y'all need to love one another. And this is a newsflash for me because I thought that people would know I as a Christian if I went to church every Sunday or if I got baptized, or if I had a Bible on my coffee table. But it turns out the only way that people are going to know that I am a disciple of Jesus is if I love you and all of you. 
And I'm not talking about like a pretend, like surface kind of love. I'm talking about like the love that you feel down in your gut. Like you really care about people. That's the only way they're going to know. And what's funny is like, you'll hear uh, people who've been in the church for a while when we have a message on love, they're like, okay, okay, like we've heard all this. And like, can we get like a deeper message? Like, can we get like some, some meat from the word of God and not be so surface level? But let me tell you something, this is about as meaty as it gets. Like, love the people that annoy you. Love your neighbor that has the perfect lawn and makes yours look like crap. Love the people that don't agree with you. Like, that's deep, and that's hard to do. Because you know what? If Jesus was here and you like were like, hey, Jesus, give me something deep. And he, you know what, how he would respond to that? He'd be like, you know what? You know, once you get that love thing down that I've already told you about, like, then we'll talk about something else, Right? Get the love thing down. In other words, 1 Corinthians 14.1, go after a life of love as if your life depended on it, because it does. And if you're looking for a how-to on love, there's no better place to go than 1 Corinthians 13. And there the apostle Paul, he just laid it out in a way that all of us can understand 1 Corinthians. There's no like crazy words in there that we can't understand. Like it's really basic. And if you go verse by verse, you can actually find five different things that like five different conclusions about what happens if we don't love well. So the first one is, without love, all I say is ineffective. Like, it doesn't matter if I'm right or not. Like, if, if I'm not loving, my words don't even matter. Without love, even the best truth that you spew out of your mouth is going to come back ineffective. It'll bounce right back at you. And it's, all it's going to do is make people mad. You see, it's not about winning arguments. It's about winning hearts. And in case you have a hard time believing what I'm saying right now, let me just go ahead and show it to you in Scripture, 1 Corinthians 13, 1. If I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels, but I didn't love others, I would be only a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And we live in a culture that's like overwhelmingly vocal whenever they disagree. I mean, just go on Facebook. I want you to find an article um, that either supports or comes against vaccinating your children. Read the comments, and you're going to see exactly what I'm talking about. We've all been trained by culture to take like the self-righteous stand of this is what I believe and then I have to cut down everybody else who doesn't believe that along with me. And you've probably heard me say this before, but when's the last time you argued with someone and changed their mind? Like I bet you're running through your most recent arguments right now and you're like, there's got to be one in there, right? <laughs> but there's not. You can't even argue with your spouse and change their mind. Any of y'all ever tried that? Yeah, it doesn't work. So if we're not supposed to argue, how do we stand for the truth? Well, Ephesians 4.15 says, instead, speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. What I want you to get from this verse is it really comes down to your motivation. Why are you speaking the truth? Are you speaking the truth because you want to be right? Or are you speaking the truth because you love that person too much to watch them live a lie? Like, what's your motivation? And keep in mind, speaking the truth in love is still going to hurt people's feelings sometimes. It's still going to make them mad. But if truth came from a motivation of love, you can trust that God's going to work with that. He will. Y'all get what I'm saying? So looking back, are you able to distinguish all the times you shared truth with the wrong motivation? Like maybe you just wanted to be right. Anybody? Or maybe you were just frustrated. So you had to share the truth. And the way to fix this is to have a quick conversation with yourself every time before you share the truth. This, what's my motivation here? Like, do I real, am I doing this out of love? Or am I, am I frustrated? Or do I just want to be right? And if love's not the answer to that question and the only answer to that question, you just keep your mouth shut because it ain't going to help anybody. And here's the next thing 1 Corinthians 13 shows us is that without love, all I know is insignificant. 
You see, there's a stat that says we're currently doubling our knowledge every three years as a society. And that's all because we live in the information age and we can ask Google anything we want to know, right? But the funny thing is we're supposedly getting smarter, yet our world is worse off. Why is this? Well, 1 Corinthians 13, 2 has the answer. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, wow, that would be pretty awesome, wouldn't it? But I didn't love others, I would be nothing. Makes sense, right? We could be the smartest people on the planet. But if we didn't love others, it wouldn't do any good. And here's the next one. Without love, all I believe is insufficient. Like, even the strongest faith isn't enough on its own. Yet we get caught up in the belief that, like, if I just had more faith, like, I could affect the world around me more. But take a look at this. If I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. Y'all, if you had faith that could literally move a mountain, like, I would be impressed. Wow. But if you didn't pair that with love, God wouldn't be impressed at all. He wouldn't even care. Here's the next one. Without love, all I give is incomplete. And you guys are like the most generous people I know. Like the things that we're able to do as like a small church financially just kind of blow me away every time we get to do them. Every time we get to support Don't Look Back or all the stuff that we do. But it's not the amount that matters. What matters is our love for the people that we're giving to, right? So we give because we love our church and we want to see people come and know God. We give because we love the people of Mexico. We give because we love the people in the Philippines. And if we're not careful though, like our giving can become a source of pride. Like look at what I've done. Look at what I've accomplished. But it's not about us. Our giving is all about the positive impact that we get to have on others. That's why we give, and that's why we take time every Sunday to let you guys know the impact that your giving's making. Because your giving's not about us, it's about what we're able to do to those outside of this church and in this church. Because see, 1 Corinthians 13, 3 says, if I gave everything I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. So in the same scripture, you can see the last conclusion we can come to is that without love, all I accomplish is nothing. Like if I gave my body and did all these things to you, like, but didn't love others, it wouldn't matter. And we see this all the time. All the people in America who have accomplished amazing things get to the end of their life and it didn't even matter because they didn't love people along the way. They abandoned their family in the name of accomplishment. They abandoned their church in order to get a little more work done on Sundays. And now they have grown kids who don't even care about them, don't want to be around them. They have a pile of money, and all it does is contribute to their unhappiness. And the only relationships they have are with people who want to be around them because of their money, because that was their focus all along. These people, like, they're not bad people. Like, that whole time, like, their whole life, they believed that overworking and and sacrificing time with their family was going to pay off in the end. Has anybody else believed that lie? Overworking, sacrificing time. You know, it'll it'll pay off in the end, so I'm just going to keep doing it. But have you noticed that this mentality is actually rooted in elevating self? Like, you overwork so that you can feel accomplished. Look at what I've done. You run after money so that people will see that you're successful. Look at what I've done. You elevate yourself above your family because your work is more important than spending time with them. You're elevating self, aren't you? And anytime you're elevating yourself, what do you know? You've fallen into one of the devil's traps, and it's time to get out of it. Let me put it to you this way. Your life minus love equals zero. Like without love, your life doesn't even matter. Without love, this church doesn't even matter. And that's why we have this core value. We love others without reason. 
Like, you don't have to earn our love. You don't have to meet some set of requirements for us to love you here at No Limits. We love you right where you're at. And as a church, we want to be known as people who stand for the truth in God's word, but at the same time, we want to know people who love people exceptionally well, unlike any, unlike anything else. And the good news is we don't have to guess at how to do this because the Bible is really clear about how to love others. There's actually four verses in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. Man, most of us in this room are probably in a big trouble right now. It's not irritable. Oh, man. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It's always hopeful, and it endures through every circumstance. That's hard. And can I give you all a challenge? Yeah? I want you all to read, read these four scriptures out loud every single day until you get it. And what that means, you're going to be doing it for the rest of your life. <laughs> it's only going to take you 30 seconds to open up your Bible every day and just read through these scriptures out loud. But it's a good reminder because I don't know about you, but some of these things are like a little bit hard to grab a hold of. Like the whole like love never gives up thing. Like there's a few people in my life that I, that I could easily give up on because they've burned that bridge one too many times. But when I read this scripture, it reminds me to have hope that, you know, this time could be the time that things turn around. Keep your hope. It's awesome. So can you read these four verses every day? Can you do it? I bet you can. And trust me, you should, because it's going to bring a load of peace and joy into your life. It really will. Now, we've been in the book of Daniel this whole series, so I can't like let the last message go down without sharing a story from the book of Daniel. So we're going to get into that. We've watched Daniel, like he stood for the truth all this time, but yet he's done it in a respectful way, right? And people knew him not only for his taking a stand, but for his love. So let's take a look at this story found in Daniel 6. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. So just for simplicity's sake, for you guys to understand this, let's just say that a province is like a state here in the United States, so like 120 states. And then the king also chose Daniel and two other people as administrators to supervise those other 120 people and protect the king's interests. And that's really interesting right here, because all those other leaders that we just talked about, the 120 plus the other two, they were Babylonians. But then they chose this outsider, this Israelite, to be one of the top three. Daniel. Really interesting. Why did they do that? Well, it goes on to say, now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So everybody needs to take note of this right here because Daniel was able to stand out amongst everybody else because he followed the word of God, which gave him exceptional qualities, right? That's why he had those. Like you don't have to be the most talented. You don't have to have the most education. Like all, if you simply embrace the word of God and put on those exceptional qualities that we find in the word of God, you're going to stand out from everyone. I mean, just look at Daniel. Because he was standing firm in the word of God, the king gave him the whole kingdom. And let's look at how his colleagues responded to that. (laughs) They were really excited about it. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. So you know how it goes when you get promoted. There's always those people who aren't happy about it and try to find some way to cut you down. But in Daniel's case, they really couldn't come up with a solid argument. You want to know why? It's really simple. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. Notice it doesn't say anything about how good-looking he was, or how many degrees he had on his wall, or how much money he had. No, he simply had character. Pretty awesome, because I don't know about you, but this is really good news to me. Because I don't have any fancy degrees, 
I don't have millions of dollars. I don't even have big muscles like to impress you guys. But hey, I can choose to have character every day of my life. You see, there's no prerequisite to character. It's something that we all choose in every situation. You can be faithful to your church. You just have to choose to prioritize it on your schedule. Like you can choose to be responsible. You simply show up to work on time. You fulfill your commitment. You do your best. And here's a real, here's a side tip for you guys. You keep your phone in your pocket. Like that one thing right there is going to set you apart from so many people at work because everybody's, you know, they're supposed to be working and they're like over here on Facebook. Keep your phone in your pocket. You're going to stand out because you're focused on what you're supposed to be doing. Sorry. I guess that was one of my soapboxes. Cut. But you all see what I can, I'm saying. Like you can do this. Like I can do this. We all can put on those exceptional qualities that we see up here. We can always, we can all be faithful. We can all be responsible and we can all be trustworthy. And just like we read earlier, one of the best ways to follow the word of God is to put on love. And we need to walk in love. So before we go today, I actually want to give you three practical ways that you can love other people. The first one is you got to serve them. And it's as easy as this. Like you just take some time every day to look around and find some way to help somebody. Like it could be just helping somebody at work complete a task on their task list or getting a grocery cart for somebody at the grocery store. Like just simple things. Here's how the Apostle Paul explains it in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 9, 19, Though I'm free and belong to no one, I've made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. So here we have like the greatest leader of the church saying that he made himself a servant to everybody else around him and for one reason, so that he could win people to Jesus. That's pretty awesome. Like we need to learn from this example right here. We don't, we don't serve to earn respect and honor from man. That's not going to help us out. We don't even serve to impress God. That's not a good motivation either. Don't even serve just because I told you to here at church. We got to serve because we're passionate about leading people to Jesus, our one and only motivation. You see, we clean the bathrooms because like a dirty bathroom might keep somebody from coming back. For real. We serve in kids' ministry because our kids need to know Jesus. And not only that, but our kids are the next generation of the church, and they're going to be leading people to Jesus. So it's an awesome investment. So when you're walking into church and, and thinking, ah, like I really don't want to serve today, don't feel bad because we all have that feeling. But you have my permission to go ahead and slap yourself on the back of the head and remind yourself, I have the opportunity to help lead people to Jesus today. That's why I'm here, and that's why I'm serving. You see, it's all about perspective. If you walk in and it's all about you, ah, but if you turn that around just in your mind, just, it takes a split second. I have the opportunity to lead people to Jesus today by cleaning the bathrooms, by serving coffee. It's all about perspective. And here's the second thing you can do to live a life of love. You've got to set an example for them. And this might cause some of y'all some anxiety because you know if like we saw how your life really was, nobody would want to be a Christian. Well, hey, we've all been there. We've all put on our church face and then went out and kind of lived a different life later on. And we don't waste one moment in regret. Let me remind you of that core value. But one of my biggest hopes as a pastor is that you'll choose to be here with us every Sunday and that you'll choose to get plugged into a small group and that you'll choose to go through our growth track and get connected to the dream team. Because I can promise you, if you invest your time in those four things, like your life is going to turn around. Like I can guarantee it. Like I'm, I'm willing to stand up here and say, you know, do those four things for a year. Just give it a year. And you know what? If it doesn't work, you can go out the door. Say, okay, what you said didn't work. But I can promise you that when you get to the end of that year, you're going to look back and you'll be like, wow, look at how far I've come. And then that journey gets to keep moving forward. So be consistent with those four things in one year. 
for one year. Like, we didn't pull all these things together because you all needed something else to do. You don't need something else to do. I don't need something else to do. Like, we all have plenty on our schedules. We're not bored. But we all do want to live our best life. And those four things are what's going to get you there. So Sundays, the reason we do Sundays is because each service is dedicated to helping you guys know God. It's dedicated to helping people know God for the first time. And how many of you guys know that knowing God is a journey? And like, you got to keep hearing the word so you can come to a deeper revelation of who God is and who you are in God. And then small groups are all about finding freedom. Because for you to step away from your past, like you need relationships with other believers that are going to be there alongside you to like pull you out of the mud whenever you fall back in. They're going to be like, see you straying and hey, come back here. And they're, all, they're going to do it in love. Like that's what small groups is all about. And then the growth track is where you find your purpose. Because there's a, there's a call on every person's life. The problem is it's just kind of hard to find it sometimes. So this four-step process we call the growth track, by the end of it, you're going to know why you're here. You're going to know what your spiritual gifts are. You're going to know what God wants you to do. And then the dream team is all the teams in the church where you have an opportunity to serve. We're talking about like the worship team, the kids team, the hospitality team. But here's the deal. We don't want you just serving on any team. We want you to serve on the team that's connected with your dream, which is why it's called the dream team. You got to trust me on this. You join us in these four things and you're going to have no problem setting an example to those around you. They're going to be looking at you and they're going to be like, how does that, how does that guy have so much peace? How does he have so much joy? How does he have so much purpose? And you're going to be able to tell them, well, it's because of Jesus. Jesus did this. Just like Jesus said in Matthew 5, 13, you are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify God, your Father in heaven. The people around you will want a taste of what you have. That's awesome. They're going to see that your life is different and that you're going to be able to explain to them that it's all about Jesus, which leads me into the third step is... To love others well, you got to share Jesus with them. And at this point, it's really not about trying to get them to like buy into your belief system. It's not about trying to like prove that they're wrong and you're right. No, since you've already served them and you've already set the example for them, it just kind of happens naturally when you get to share Jesus with them. It's really cool. Like seriously, like when you have steps one and two in place, like this third step becomes natural. Like they may even open the door for you. And when that happens, you never shy away from telling them, my life is this way because of Jesus. But here's the deal. You're going to be tempted when somebody asks you why your life is different to give them some kind of practical, like I got out of debt or like, you know, all these things that kind of happen along your walk with Jesus. But those little things had a part to play. And it's all about like your walk with Jesus. But the whole point of it is like Jesus is the reason you even went down that path. So that's what you need to share with them. And let me tell you, that's what they're looking for. They're not looking for these small tips. They're looking for the answer and the answer is Jesus. And here it is in Scripture, 1 Peter 3.15. You must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do it in a gentle and respectful way. So it all starts by you falling in love with Jesus, making him the leader of your life. And then when people ask you why your life is different, you got to be ready to share Jesus with them. Don't be ready to come against their belief system. That's not the point. You need to be ready to share what happened on the inside of you. Share your story and do it with respect and be gentle in your approach. And this scripture goes on to say, keep your conscience clear because then if people speak against you, they'll be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. In other words, we got to live our lives in a way that reflect Jesus. We got to stand firm in the word of God, like we've been talking about this whole series and not bow down to culture. And when you do this, even the people who come against you, they're going to be ashamed that they even tried because they aren't going to find anything, just like with Daniel. And here's a quote that sums it up really nicely. Preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. 
So I hope you realize how you act is more important than what you say. It's not about how well you can explain the gospel. It's not about using all the right words or having all the answers to questions whenever people ask you stuff about the Bible, which may be why some of y'all aren't talking to people about Jesus, because you're like, I don't have all the answers. Well, the good news is it's not about having all the answers. It's all about how you act and how we live our lives and how well we love other people. You may be sitting there right now thinking, well, you know what? That's the problem. Like, I don't act right. And I feel stuck. Like, how, how do I get out of this? And I want, you to, I want you to listen to me. Like, you could try really hard to act right, but you're not going to get very far. But when you grab hold of the love that God has for you, like, as a deep revelation, God loves me. That's what empowers you to love other people. You see, 1 John 4.19 says, we love each other because he loved us first. Like this literally, literally means you have to first receive the love of God before you can ever love anybody else the way that we talked about today. This message wasn't to give you like things to go out and do to get better. This message was to lead you closer to Jesus, to draw you into Jesus. Everything we do here at No Limits Church, Sundays, small groups, growth track, dream team, is all to just lead you closer to Jesus. That's what it's for. Because when you experience his love, when you experience, like you really experience it, your capacity to love others is going to blow you away. You're going to be like, where did this come from? Because it can't come from you. It's got to come from the fact that you know that God loves you unconditionally. You see, Romans 5.8 says that God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. God didn't tell you he loved you. He showed you he loves you by sending Jesus, his one and only son, to die for you while you were down here making a fool of yourself. He didn't wait for you to get it all together. Isn't that good news? Because I sure tried and never got there. God made a way for you to experience his love even when you did nothing to deserve it. That's so powerful. Let's pray. God, we open our hearts this morning to experience your love. We want to understand your love in a deeper way today. Lord, I just ask that you pour out your love on this room right now. Pour it into hearts, pour it into their minds, give them revelation, give them wisdom. Lord, as we stand firm on your word, I ask that you always remind us to let it display itself through love to never get upset, to never get frustrated with culture, but to, to just go in and impact culture in a positive way, to be a light in the darkness, to be the salt of the earth. Help us to approach these things the right way. And I believe in the process, we're going to see amazing things happen with our friends, with our family, in our workplaces. Lord, as we stand for the truth and let that display itself in love, you're going to show up and you're going to free people you're going to draw people into you and people are going to come to know you and then they're going to find freedom. They're going to discover their purpose. They're going to get out and make a difference just like you have planned for every single person on this earth. Lord, I just want to take a moment to pray over our community here. The city of Owasso, God, I pray that for anybody that doesn't know you out there, that they would find you and that you would draw their hearts to you. God, whether that's here at No Limits Church or one of the other great churches in town, God, I just ask that you draw them in so they can come and find you and know you and, and then find freedom and, 
discover their purpose. God, I know that your heart is for those that don't know you yet. Like you want them in your family. And we want to help with that, God. So I ask that you use us. I ask that you you stir in us like a, a soften our hearts. Soften our hearts for the lost, the people that don't know you, so that we care and that we think about them and that we pray about them and that we spend time with them. Lord, give us your heart as you pour your love into us. Go ahead and keep your, your heads bowed and eyes closed. And you may be sitting there right now with the realization that you've never received God's love. Like you've never experienced God's love and your heart's crying out for it. You may have even grown up as a Christian, but it's only been a duty to you. Like you come to church because you feel like you have to, but now you're ready to experience God's love in a deeper way than you ever have before. So if you're sitting right there, right there thinking like, I need to take a step towards God's love. I need to receive his love and I'm ready to commit my life to Jesus or I'm ready to rededicate my life to Jesus. I want you to just go ahead and raise your hand right now. Like nobody's looking around. This is just between you and Jesus. Raising your hand is just a simple action for you to solidify that this has taken place in your heart. So go ahead and just put your hand up real quick and take it down. And now I want to lead you in a prayer as you make that commitment to God. So church, let's just join them in saying this prayer together. Repeat this after me. Jesus, I've been living without you and I don't want to do that anymore. I've done a lot of things wrong and I need your forgiveness. I accept your love and your grace for me. And I ask that you would be my Lord. Lead my life. Thank you for making me new. Thank you for washing away my past. I hand my life over to you and I ask that you would help me walk out your plan for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, y'all. Faith expressing itself through love. We got this. We're going to go out and make a difference. Love you guys. Amy, where you at? I'm going to invite Amy up here. She's going to close us out. I couldn't find you over there. <laughs> I just wanted to see how much improvisation you could do today. Um, I am Amy Mitchell, for anybody that does not know me. The reason you might not is because I'm normally hiding behind that keyboard over there. But, <laughs> but no, we all have to grow up someday and take on some new challenges. And so here I am. Um, we're going to get ready to take up the offering. And last week, do you remember we showed the video about um, Ben and Diana that have the... Uh, mission work for years now. They're so awesome. They started off still living in the United States and driving to Mexico, and then they finally said, forget this, we're moving to Mexico. And um, they're just awesome. So um, a couple of weeks ago, I think I told you that um, they were looking at buying uh, an older van, but one in remarkable shape that did not have hardly any miles on it. And so, Brian, do you have that picture ready? We'll get there. This is the, they've nicknamed it the Polar Express. How's that? <laughs> that's awesome. But that's what we help support. And as you can tell, it's a great looking van in wonderful condition. And if anybody um, 
knows, like me that's been to Mexico on any of these trips, Mike, you know they, they really need that van. So <laughs> it's awesome to be able to support that. Um, if you are giving by cash or check, just raise your hand for an offering envelope. We've got Josh and Chris, and they would be glad to help you out. And you can also give with a debit or a credit card. So if you want to do that, use the instructions on the screen that are coming up. Brian's so awesome back there. Woohoo! <laughs> you guys know how to text that. There we go. And if you're listening online, you can type nolimits.fyi and then tap the giving button. And if this is your first time here, we're truly glad you're here. We believe God has a great plan for your life, and we want to help you get there. God wants to accomplish amazing things through you, through me, through everybody here. You can't just, you know, put too much on God. He has got amazing plans for each one of us. We hope to see you again next week. And let me go ahead and pray, and we'll take that up. Lord, we just thank you that we don't have to have the perfect prayer. We don't have to look a certain way. We don't have to dress a certain way. Our hearts are open, and you love us just the way we are. And thank God for that. Um, as we take up this offering, I just I just thank you that you're going to use it to bless people um, in Owasso, in our community, in our state, and by golly, in Mexico, and around the world. And we just thank you that we get to give into that, and that we're cheerful givers, and we understand how you multiply our resources. And we thank you again in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us, and a special thanks to those that give into our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And hey, if you were encouraged by this podcast, hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening, and God bless you.